can we relegate talk about the main roster to the pre-show every fucking time? Because, guys, I just want to let y'all know, it's the exact same episode. They literally <laughs> just copy-pasted last week's uh, R.A.W. and just said, let's, let's do it again. Run it again, boys. It's like, hey, guys, you know what? We really like what we did last week. Let's do it again. No one else yeah. did. But <laughs> we did. But I, but I liked it. Welcome to Fight Boys, a show about professional and not so professional wrestling, and I got two words for you, Scotty Moore. I'm Blake Tanner. <laughs> Blake, Blake is a, coming to this podcast a broken man. God, I wish you could uh, see I, me right now. <laughs> you two can. I'm, I, I'm the third man, the Dylan. Oh, yeah. And we are going over the best stables in professional wrestling and, like, shockingly very little overlap. Only two of these stables did all three of us pick. And then the rest was, I think, me and Blake. Because, Dylan, you came into this saying straight up, like, if I haven't seen them, I'm not putting them on here. Which, for me, I was like, oh, I've seen, uh, uh, the ones I picked, I'm like, I've seen DVDs. I've seen them on DVDs. You know what? Some of these I've watched a lot of ding-dang documentaries about. Yeah. I I thought about, uh, ah. Ah, I'm sad now. I remembered one I could have put uh, on there. Do you want to bring them up now? And then we could establish if they need to... Oh, shit. Blake, do you want to take that? Because me and Dylan both have honorable mentions. Would you like to bring that to the table? If not, I'll fucking bring it. And Actually, you can have you, mine. I'll, I'll take yours because I think you could do them more justice than I could. Okay, but before that, Dylan, would you... I felt bad for Dylan because he, he's the only person who had, like, a majority of his list ripped apart as we created our final listing. That's because, well... I knew I I knew that yeah. going in. <laughs> See, Scotty, you do love a lot of uh, like Western wrestling. Uh, Dylan, you of course uh, have a very well-rounded view of wrestling, and you uh, know that the best wrestling in the world is in Japan. And I'm a basic little bitch. I like how you're like Ah, Dylan. Of course, knows the ways of the East. Those famous staples, like the main event mafia. mafia. <laughs> also, that one was. That one was good just in concept. Oh, yeah. Like, it ran out of steam eventually, but the concept of it was wonderful. Uh, but would you like to bring your honorable mention from your list? Uh, yeah, of course, because despite the fact that they're not number one, Suzuki Gon Ichiban. <laughs> <laughs> now, some people might talk about, like, Los Ingobernables de Japón, which, you know, is a, is a faction, the very well-known faction, but they're not really... Not really, you know, that ride or die. There's Chaos, which is by far the worst faction ever exists. They'll see one of their people get beat up for, like, ten minutes and not come out and save them. Uh, but on the exact opposite end of that is the uh, the top-notch ship run by Minoru Suzuki, <laughs> who has commanded one of the most impressive, like, collections of of talent over the years that I think you really can. Uh, which currently includes Zack Sabre Jr., uh, current uh, IWGP Jr., and former tag team champion El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, which is who was the ace of Noah's junior division and a former two-time, three-time tag champion in, uh, in New Japan. Uh, former members inclu include... I'm sorry, hold on, there was one more I was missing. Oh my gosh. Tai Chi. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tai Chi, the, the god emperor himself, fucking meme lord of New Japan. <laughs> former, members former members include motherfucking... Uh, oh, my God. Taka Michinoku. Oh, shit. I didn't even know Michinoku was in it. Yeah. Uh, fucking Shelton Benjamin. <laughs> Davy Boy... Davy Boy Smith Jr. 
Lance Archer. Yeah. And Takayama. You know, Takayama. I, I, I had a professional MMA career. I'm the only one of like four people to ever hold the ta- cha- championship of all three major, uh, like, companies in Japan. Yeah, that guy. That guy that just stiffed everybody. Yeah, he was like, no, 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 I'll join up with Suzuki's crew, and Suzuki's running it. The scariest man in pro fucking wrestling. Do you want to tell Minoru Suzuki his stable isn't the best? Good luck. Good luck. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You can. I'm not. I want you to know what my, like, reaction was as I heard you listing off names. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that, know that. Wait, really? Really? That's <laughs> what? how I felt when Dylan recently on on our chat posted like the history of the IWGP Championship, and obviously it was a bunch of Japanese names I didn't recognize. And then I believe it was Scott Norton popped up, and I went, "Really, <laughs> Norton? <laughs> Scott Norton? Scott Norton is over as fuck in New Japan." Uh, yeah. Uh. So, but yeah. Yeah, so it's headlined, like, just championships out the wazoo. At one point, they completely and successfully invaded pro wrestling Noah. Hell yeah. Now, granted, it was being booked by Jada, which was a horrible mistake, but they did it. It was impressive. Like, and they're ride or die. Like, like Suzuki-gun will interfere in your match in your favor. In fact, it's how they get all of their heat. Well, here's the the thing. With Chaos, if you don't interfere, I doubt there's much repercussion. With Suzuki-gun, you would have to answer to Suzuki if you didn't help someone win. And I don't want to have that conversation. (laughs) Well, that was part of what, like I talked about uh, last month, whenever El Desperado... Uh, wrestled against Abushi for the double championship. Suzuki Gun was there, but all they did was surround the ring yeah. and like cheer their guy. They didn't try to interfere at all. They wanted it to be straight up. Our our guy can beat you, and he damn near did. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the thing. Is like I've I've never seen a group where like for the past fucking however many years. So ever since, because they were originally uh, Kojima Goon, and then uh, Taichi and Takamichi Noku betrayed him, and Suzuki came out, and they formed Suzuki Goon, they are the longest standing group with no change in leadership, yeah, no betrayal, no break-offs, like, they're just there. They went away to New Japan, or they went away to Noah for a while. I mean, granted, they're also the only faction to have never held the... IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But, like, they've held everything else Suzuki has. Like, and honestly, you could tell me tomorrow, hey, listen, uh, Suzuki's gonna get, like, an upset win, hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for, like, two months. And I'd be like, I'd believe it. You could tell me right now that Minoru Suzuki snapped snap Will Ospreay's arm, and I'd be like, just backstage one day? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm surprised. So that's why I think Suzuki uh can... Yeah, Suzuki Goon is is what I consider like the most cohesive. They're maybe like not top tier, the most successful, but like anytime you see a group, you're like, that's a group. Like all of their pictures, they like dress the same. There's this thing from Burn Notice where it's like a uniform instills fear into others, and like you just get that vibe off of Suzuki Goon. You're like, oh, that's a unit. Oh, we should run. We should go now. Yeah. We should. <laughs> uh, well, I think we should go. Um, guys, before well, uh, he, that man's gonna break my arm. Um, <laughs> scary man. Well, on to uh, my honorable mention that I did just steal from Dylan, so Blake can have mine. But of course, my mine it has to be undisputed because holy shit, I'm shocked I couldn't think about the undisputed era while coming up with this. Because yeah, nice pun. Eh. Ah, shock the system. I I think it may be because during, of course, Adam Cole's historic NXT title reign, which is not to be dismissed, the rest of the era did just kind of become like Adam's friends. It felt less like a stable, which may be why it didn't make my list. But holy shit, yeah, you're taking the best technical guys from Ring of Honor and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. One of my favorite... They were the people who made me enjoy, like enjoy and fall in love with technical wrestling is Red Dragon. Now take them 
put them with Adam fucking Cole, a man you can build any company around, and also Roderick Strong is there. And what a fucking Roderick Strong! Roderick Strong, who is the greatest wrestler with no personality. Yeah, like if you could pump everything, like that. He's like if you took a D and D character and just dumped charisma, but everything <laughs> else is just. He's technical. He's can strong style. He can tell a story. He just can't actually tell you a story. Yeah. But yeah, fucking, I love the Undisputed Era. I mean, we were there. The The prophecy was foretold, weren't we? I mean, that was the night that they won the tag titles was the night that uh, me and Dylan went. And like, yeah, if you just look at, look at the ring and say, oh, Undisputed Era is having a match, you're instantly, oh, they're winning. They're they're gone. Like obviously not now, but like back in the day, it was oh undisputed eras fighting. They're gonna kill them. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but between that and then all the matches they had, of course you got the Cole Gargano series. You've got Red Dragon versus just all the fucking people they took on. You have you have war games. War games. Say war games. (laughs) War games. Oh, no, no, I just gotta. I'm, I'm here for the war games. You got any more of them war games? I am on. Yes, because there was a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> they were also in that, and I believe the third one. They were in everyone until last yeah. year. Oh, no, last year they had uh, them versus Pat McAfee's crew. Yeah, they've been, I believe, in every war games that they can, and Bud like. All of those, I mean, the McAfee one I hit or miss on, but, like, the year before, Owen's coming back to fight them, like... So what you're saying is War Games games is undisputed. I'm saying War Games would not fucking exist (laughs) without the Undisputed Era. Like, there's no way they would have kept that going, but... Blakey T, you gotta bring them! You gotta bring the boys! Hold on, the air just changed in there. Did somebody... did? Did it? Did it just get a little bit heavier for a second? Did somebody? Oh, oh, oh you, God, can you wait. feel it? Oh, I can. Oh, I feel the power. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Now, I love the new day. Um, and I love the new day story specifically because you just take the fact that these three guys were fl- absolutely floundering and put them in a stable, and it's going to make them. Just a, t- a ton better. They're going to be so great right out the gate. Oh, no. wait a minute. No. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, but no. I, I think but, that adds to it. I think oh, yeah, that it really does. adds to it. It adds to their legacy so much because the New Day started out as a big old stinker of a gimmick. Because they they didn't know where they were going. They had this weird preacher thing. They were going positivity, but they were going to be heels and stuff. But they found. Oh no! They they wanted to be yeah. heels. They, yeah, they, they were, were. Yeah, they were baby faces first, and then um, they turned it into the heels that think they're a baby face, which is some of my favorite baby face stuff to do. Um, but the moment that like they turned it around and they turned chicken shit into chicken salad to the point that they are one of the like longest rate uh, like modern tag team stables in. De- the company's history. Um, <laughs> and to I'm- the fact that, like, it, it goes to show just their, what, 11-time tag team championships. They have the uh, current company uh, longest tag team championship reign in the modern era. And, I, I mean, they they are full of accolades, and they turned it into b- content creation. Um, and, the, and the only way, you can't break them up. Like, that was a thing with most stables is, Who's going to turn? What's going to break them up? What's going to destroy them? And yeah, with them, like the only way was to separate them to separate rosters. And even then, when Big E comes out, it's, oh no, that's member of the New Day, Big E. Exactly. Like, and beyond that, like, that's my favorite thing about it is just the brotherhood exhibited. There's no egos. Like, if, if Xavier was in Kofi Mania's spot, if Big E was in that spot, they wouldn't have cared. They would have just said, fuck yeah. And that's what I love about it. Cause it's As a real. matter of fact, I think if either of them were in that spot, they would have been, they would have said, no, wait, this should be Kofi, though. 
Oh, they gas up Kofi like a motherfucker. They gas up Kofi constantly. I I do. The only thing they. The only thing they don't do is gas up Woods' desire to be king of the ring. They keep just looking at him like, yeah, yeah sure, buddy. <laughs> sure thing. I, um, I, I love the brotherhood and camaraderie that those three have built together from being, you know, basically thrown together into just becoming three guys that oh. you know are the best, like, best of friends at this point. Um, oh, no, no. It wasn't thrown together. Like, Woods came up with the idea, went to E, and they were both like, we need a third guy. Should we ask Kofi? Kofi's been around a real long time. I don't think we should ask Kofi. We should ask Kofi. And then they walked up to Kofi and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And, um, and, then, and then the big show was like, this will never work. And then he, <laughs> then, he apologized. then he was one of the few people that apologized to the yeah, later. I, 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 I have to say that their, uh, their stable with its unlikely beginnings turning, the, the fact that these three guys are so talented that they turned it around into one of the most successful pro wrestling stables that... I've ever gotten the privilege to see live, um, and also most creative because absolutely they can, they've come out with numerous pieces of media that have become iconic, like T-shirts and shit. It ain't and socks. New day, your your child's feet are cold. They're asking for new day, new socks. day socks. And I'm sorry, they got a cereal. Like yeah, they got they a got cereal. A cereal that's named Bootios. It's got booty in the name. When you look at stables, like, in pro wrestling in general, you want to build an iconic shirt? White text on a black shirt. Not the New Day. I want us riding a blind-ass unicorn on the most vibrant blue shirt possible. <laughs> they came out of a giant cereal box dressed like they were in Dragon Ball Z, people. I, they don't give a fuck, and I love them. But for now... Feel like it's time to get into our top five. And coming in at number five, you may you may know who they are, but what you may not know is why they are here. The N Or why they're number five. Or why they're number five. <laughs> it is the NWO. A stable that I didn't put on just because of how much stank is in the later years of the NWO. Which I think is a, f- I, I understand the sentiment, but it was such a, it, the NWO was such a game changer for WCW that, like, yeah. it, 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 it basically led to W's, like, their biggest success run. And also, the reason that they folded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is interesting. So, they were, they were influential. Yeah, they didn't know how to... They didn't know how to maintain it. It also pushed WWE to be like, I guess we have to not do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. All right, well, Steve, I need you to go out and cut a fucking killer promo, I guess, or something. Fuck it. I guess you can't be the ring general anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the beginnings were so great with Hall and Nash coming out, being the outsiders, literally people being like, what the fuck are they doing? Because like, it wasn't like it is now. It wasn't, the the news wasn't there. It was just, why the fuck are they on this show now? Why is this happening? And then, of course, who's their third man? Who's going to join them in this great six-man tag? And then, of course, Hogan comes out at the end of the match, and we all have our feelings about that racist man. But uh, comes out at the end of the match, shocks the entire fucking world when the ultimate babyface Hulk Hogan drops the leg. They caused so much heat. People were just yeeting shit in the ring. They were furious with them. And I to know. be fair, like, like the NWO is probably the coolest that pro wrestling has ever been. Yeah. Like, that shirt showed up in media ev- everywhere. Everywhere. Dennis Rodman showed up on WCW as part of the NWO. Like... And people were like, holy shit, and they, they thought it was cool. Like, and you need to understand, that was when the Bulls were the Bulls. Yep. Like, so that was, like, and they could get away with, like, like that era of, of WCW is the coolest it can be, but the reason why we have it down there is that when you add in, like, you know, Hollywood versus Wolfpack, NWO 2000, Latino World Order, uh, when they were in W. 
WWE, not the first bit where there was the three of them, but where they kept adding other people and Shawn Michaels was there for no reason. And like, yeah, you know, it it got dragged through the mud. It got dragged through the mud. Overbloated, yeah. you know, it, it, it lost its own creative control because everybody was trying to do their own creative thing and they all wanted to be the best, but they all wanted their own NWO spinoff and then there were, like, too many NWOs. And well, not, not uh, only that, like, I mean, it goes back to the whole New Day thing. Well, Like I said, with New Day, there was no rivalries, there was no jealousy, but you could tell between Hall, Nash, and Hogan, they were all kind of trying to outbid each other for that top spot and alongside everyone else who came in. But I feel like that also is good because all of these stables that we have in this top five really changed the game and showed future stables what they needed to be. In this case, the NWO said, Here's what you don't fucking do. This is a masterclass in how not to build a stable. Exactly. And you know what? I, I will say, I know that we, we kind of skipped around the Hogan thing, and I just want everybody to know that, like, back in the day, he was still a terrible person. So don't worry. <laughs> he, he just sucked. looked cooler because part of his beard was black, but he had the yellow mustache, and... That was a whole aesthetic for a while. Yep, and spray-painted the uh, the title, which, of course, is iconic, although our next people may have done that a little bit better, but we're not going to get into them yet. But yeah, NWO, they, they, they deserve to be on this list strictly because they are the stable. Like, even the people who are going to follow NWO in this list at number four, they never made it as big. They never were as big as the NWO, although they were kind of both birthed from the same egg, you could say. And I will say, there has been some uh, revisionism that makes it seem that way. But it wasn't but it that wasn't way. it wasn't that way. Even though they, they are a stable that I, I do clearly remember from my young memories because they were the people that my mom turned the TV off on when they came on, and that made <laughs> me want to watch them even more. So... There, it may be why, like, it might because it was during my formative years that I put them higher. Yep. You know? But, uh, yeah, NWO. For life. And then they, uh, there's a better version of them that's much higher on this list. Should we just get into number four? Blake, I'm sorry, you brought NWO to the table, and I was like, well, we gotta talk about NWO. I don't know what I'm going to talk about with NWO. I mean, you got you got a lot of historical stuff that you need to bring up with NWO, like especially uh, when it comes to the wrestling that uh, we grew up watching. Um, so I think they've got to be mentioned, which also is why number four is here. A good old D-Generation X. Well, before we no, no, no. before no, we uh, no, no, get no, no, into no, no, that, no. I do Thank have, you, Jim Johnson. That fucking rocked. I do have an important question. Are you ready? <laughs> no, I said, are you ready? Fuck uh, yes. The millions of people watching at home. Oh, let's get ready now. By the way, I was always confused by that, because he was telling everybody to get ready to suck it, and I was just like, why are we getting ready to suck anything? Shouldn't the opponents be getting ready to suck it for us? Or Yeah, that was... Maybe? Well, I, lo I love that, because that is from the older DX, and it was literally Triple H saying, fuck, we don't have Road Dog anymore, but we still need some way to start this off. All right, I guess I'll come up with my own Road Dog thing, but you just can't beat, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, D-Generation X proudly presents to you its five-time tag team champions of the world! Oh. Uh, yep. And you the one billion road dog. <laughs> and I will say the thing about DX is um going back to what we talked about about the New Day is of their time, they were very creative as a stable because they they were they had a new wacky thing that they were doing every week, which I always appreciated because they were trying to throw shit at the wall to see something that stuck. Some a, a lot of it doesn't hold up anymore. Um, yeah, you remember that bit where they spoofed the Nation of Domination and they basically oof, were all wearing blackface? Oof, yeah, like no, that. No, no. That doesn't yeah. work anymore. That never worked, actually. Um, <laughs> or, or the 
part where they're at a hot dog stand and it's implied that Triple H is getting a blowjob and he just squirts mustard everywhere at the point of completion. To be fair, Candace Michelle was next to him and also... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, WWE, hot lesbian action. <laughs> HLA. But, uh, no, I... I, I do like that uh, D-Generation X evolved, because it started off as as Hunter and Sean just being like, we're just going to fuck around, and they're like, hey, you know what would really fuck with people? What if we got a bodyguard, but it was a chick? We're like, fuck yeah, this is this is good. We're going, we're going good with that. And then Sean got injured, Sean left, and, and Triple H was just like, fuck, I guess I'm just going to get a bunch of goons? And then yeah. that's what he did. He formed he formed the titular goon insulation stable. Like Oh yeah. Like that was not like when cuz when you look back that wasn't as much a thing before that. There wasn't as much a thing of like I'm the leader, the rest of you exist solely to make me look better. If you get your own championships, who cares? Right. Uh I'm that still was, going to be the star of the stable no matter what you do. Yeah. yeah. Until the rock shows up. And then The Rock is the star of that segment. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true uh, about every Rock segment. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was a good, like, it was a good stable in that regard. It played a good foil for, for, uh, for Austin, just like the NWA was a great foil for, uh, DDP back in WCW. Oh, I was gonna say Sting. Like, even that, like... Oh yeah, Sting, that made Sting's career facing them. But yeah, and then... For that, it was The Rock and uh, The Rock and Austin could always just be like, ah, it's Triple H. Let me just let me stun all of his goons. Let me just destroy all of them. Like pop the crowd, maybe get run back over. But yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a good it was a good little thing, especially when you had the the Helmsley McMahon like oh, faction yeah. angle of it. And that's what I love about it more than anything because they were designed as a stable to say, fuck. Fuck management. It's kind of the same thing that happened with the NWO, because NWO was very much fuck management. Then management joined them in the form of Bischoff or Stephanie McMahon with DX. And my favorite thing about that is it it showed it, it, it made the heel character of Triple H even better. Because then people started, like, DX got over, and people started to cheer for DX. They would fucking flash them in the crowd. Like, it was insane. And so Triple H, the perennial heel, was like, how the fuck do I keep getting booed? Oh, obviously, align myself with the people. It's literally a Honest, better... Obvi- obviously, <laughs> I'm going to drug marry somebody, somebody. which, is, <laughs> which yep. is like legal sexual assault. And you know and what? Then- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up in management one day. I'm feeling it. Yeah. They went from fuck management to fucking management. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a better version of the uh, the Austin heel turn, because it was, how could he do this? He's aligned himself with Vince. Doing it that blatantly is bullshit. However, if you do a slow burn like they did with DX, it works really, really, really fucking well. And then they came back as the reunion DX tour, which was just two goofy people uh, who talked a lot about cock. During which uh, Shawn Michaels was a born-again Christian and would no longer do the suck it movement because Jesus don't like don't like that. it. <laughs> uh, I right. believe that's why they had to turn it into an X for the crotch chop is he's like, I guess I'll do this because it's like an X over my dick. Yes, so I'm way. actually cutting you off from my dick. I'm telling you not to suck it with this motion. I'm telling you, you can't. This is my chastity belt. My my favorite fucking clip of all time is still when Sean's walking down to the ring and he's doing the most casual suck it of all time. He's just looking at the audience going, suck it? No, no, not you. Okay, suck it? Suck it? Suck it? I don't know. He, the one where he he eggs the guy on by giving a fake blowjob, I believe, is my favorite part of that stable. <laughs> oh, yes. You, you. Oh. <laughs> Fondles the balls. Yes. I can I can see the fucking face that he made burned oh, yeah. into oh, yeah. my brain. Oh, yeah. It's it's up there. It's up there. But yeah, that's... And then, I of think... course, like I said, you got Road Dog and Billy Gunn, who were amazing on their own. Billy Gunn, that man has been through so fucking much. 
He's been through the ass man gimmick, which arguably, unfortunately, I hate to say it, the ass man theme does slap. It is a very good song, but the gimmick is terrible. <laughs> I love, uh, speaking of themes, uh, Degenerate. Degeneration X's fucking theme song. I know you mentioned oh, yeah. it, Dylan. It's fucking slaps, man. It's like, it's like, okay, listen, we want, uh, we want a Rage Against the Machine song. Yeah, I'm not paying for that. Alrighty, we need a Rage Against the Machine song, Jim. Yep, that is okay. the thing with all of these stables. There's just like iconic music, iconic oh, yeah. iconography, all of it. Like it was a total package with these guys, and like. With with DX, you started talking about that one, and now I have the NWO one stuck in my head. <laughs> bass, bass is the key to a good faction. Song. <laughs> yeah, good, good, yeah, good bass. Uh. And unfortunately, our next on the list, I can't. I mean, they've had decent theme songs throughout the years, but nothing like particular. I guess their WCW one was pretty good, but the problem is these men came. Before theme music was really a big deal, like I think the the Freebirds were really who brought that into being a big deal. So these guys never really got it. But woo, these men didn't need music. They have got the symbol of excellence. They've got crocodile shoes and big man. I'm having a hard time of holding these boys down. <laughs> It's, uh, you gotta put the horsemen on there. They are the, they are the originators of the concept of a stable. You never saw something where just like four of the most hated guys in the company came together. It they were like it's the Sinister Six, is what it is. <laughs> and and not only that, they weren't like oh we were these like like dastardly over the top heels. They were like you see our clothes, you see how much money we make, you see this Rolex. I can fuck your wife. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck your, your wife. <laughs> I and already fucked them. your wife, Steve. Don't worry. <laughs> and the thing was, is that all of them exuded that. Arn Anderson exuded that. And Arn Anderson has looked like a middle-aged man his entire <laughs> life. <laughs> Arn Anderson has looked like a spherical beaver his entire life, <laughs> but he's still fucked. But that's also the really good thing about it, is the fact that they weren't all the same. Tully was different from the Brain Busters, who were different from Rick. Like, they all had a different personality, but they all still meshed. And when I look at, like, the great stables of history, and you go down it, a lot of them are just the horsemen again. Evolution is just the horsemen again. Well, I, okay, now that was pretty obvious. It's to be still fair, got Ric Flair in it. And, and, like, at every, like, don't get me wrong, in certain ones you'd have, like, you know, uh, an off member or two, like the version that had Mongo. Uh, but, like, <laughs> I always forget Even Mongo. then, you'd have, like, Brian Pillman or freaking Mr. Perfect. Or, like, yeah, you'd have you just, like, even the, with the exception of Mongo, even after that, the worst member of the Horseman is still, like, a Hall of Fame-worthy wrestler. Oh, yeah. Easily. Like, like, that's just a- no other stable can really, like, say that each member on their own was so influential that they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, X-Pac on his own does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> um, like, uh- To be fair, Great Kali doesn't either. And he's already been thrown in there. I, it's a it's a good point that you made, like uh, the the fact that they're all they were very different characters that joined together for a common cause. It's like it's like in a comic book, like when the the Legion of Doom gets together and they're just chilling. It's like, all right, guys, how do we kill Superman? I'm Lex yeah, Luthor. I'm very smart. I'm Solomon Grundy. Uh, I'm yes, Solomon Grundy. And, and just. The staying power of it, to a point where, like, even now, as of recently, we on this show have been like, are they going to do the Horsemen again? Are the Horsemen coming back? And now they are. Um, And what I love is each time, no pun intended, it evolves. Evolution, the concept wasn't, we are the four Horsemen, although they did dress in suits, fly in jets, and do the whole Horseman thing, but the concept was literally evolution. Ric Flair was the past, 
Hunter was the present. Batista and Randy Orton, as they went on to prove, were the future. It was a good variant on it. My personal favorite variant is the Pinnacle, though, who just said, you know what makes us different from the Four Horsemen? There's five of us. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> you. You don't want to talk about Fortune? Oh, Fortune. Fortune. Fortune was a thing. Who was in Fortune? Rude was uh, easily, Let's see right? here. Um, fucking, oh, god damn it. Desmond Wolf, who was actually um, Nigel oh. McGuinness. Yep. Uh, Kazarian, AJ Styles, who they tried to make the next Nature Boy. That was annoying. <laughs> uh, James Storm. Like, they too had a... a uh, Everyone's a rotating a roster of, of, of people, but, uh... Because, yeah, yeah, Beer Money was in it, wasn't it? Both members of Beer Money? Yeah, at different points. Oh, yeah, Bobby Roode was in it. The oh, only reason song. why I know Nigel McGuinness was in Fortune is because of that fucking Jay Lethal flair skit. Because in the middle of it, fucking McGinnis cuts a promo, and I'm like, bud, you don't need to be part of this. No, but no, no, magic's he, he, happening. He, he, you, anybody who watches could be like, you can clearly tell that Nigel McGuinness knows this is going too far off the rails and is trying to, like, remind them to try and actually <laughs> advance and something. I, I believe the quote of a, of a promo that has numerous quotes that stand out, the one that stands out the most is Nigel McGuinness saying, Why don't you bring your ghetto booty down to the ring? Cause I'm gonna kick it. <laughs> I'm like, but no. And it took me like years till I was able to go back and go, that's fucking Nigel McGinnis. What? <laughs> uh, uh, I yeah, honestly, so- yeah, I don't have much more to say about the horseman because that, that is just a little too far back in history for me. But even now, like with my basic ass knowledge of wrestling, I understand their impact on how we view stables in wrestling today. Well, I mean, not only that, like I said, it, it it has such staying power, and each time it builds a star alongside with it. I mean, the old American dream, Dustin Wolf, baby, he needed a fall. He needed some bad guys he could take down. And the four horsemen were the ultimate foil to Dusty Rhodes. Because, of course, he is the son of a plumber. He is just a, a simple town man like all of us. And then you have the richest motherfuckers on the planet fighting him. And then they were the perfect foil for Sting for years. Yep, exactly. Same thing. The man called Sting. You know what? Sting, honestly, he works best when he's got like four or five dudes just constantly beating his ass. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's completely true, because it's it's, it's, uh, uh, four horsemen... Uh, it's NWO, uh, NWO, Team Taz, um, <laughs> Immortal, <laughs> Main Event Mafia. <laughs> you know what? Sting has gotten his ass kicked by factions for a lot of his career. Degeneration X in that one WrestleMania match. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about that match. That match isn't real. Anyway, on to our next, uh, our next faction. Sierra, Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. Doesn't it feel good to sing that and not be talking about just Roman Reigns? Yes, it does. That faction was so good that they made it Roman Reigns' entire personality for six years. It's a faction that was so good, it lasted for what? Three years. Three years. Three years? Was, was it three? Yeah, it yes, was three. It was uh, yeah, it was a few years, not uh, more than two, less than. Five. I mean, if you count the if you count the reboots, probably like four. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. But honestly, like compared to the rest of the factions we've talked about so far, very like uh, easily the shortest lived faction, but so impactful. In wrestling, there, th- there is no faction in existence that has held as many high championships. And, yeah, no yeah. stable has ever broken up, and all three of them have in, in the entire stable has went on to win the major title, and most of them become um, triple crown champions. Grand no, they all are. Are they they're all? all? They're oh. all. 
Yep. And they and you know what? Half the time they were fighting each other to do it. Like they all fact, became main event guys. In fact, there was one match where all three of them held the WWE championship within five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Fuck, they're so good. The shield and, those oh. And going back to our point about the horsemen, not they don't fit together. You had crazy deathmatch John Moxley. You had Ring of Honor technical specialist Tyler Black. And then you had a guy that they called Leaky, Leaky. for a couple months. Who, his original gimmick in NXT was the Rolex wearing, like, hair tied back. He came to, like, do promos in a suit. I don't think he ever actually wrestled with that gimmick before he went to the Shield. Yeah. And then he kind of took on this role as, like, the silent brooding bodyguard type figure destroyer is, he was the destroyer. destroyer yes yeah which is arguably gotta make roman look strong, strong it's the years. second best character roman reigns has ever had like just being the silent guy who would beat the shit out of people and while- to be fair the best version's less than a year old <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, like uh the- there are not many factions that I could think about that you could legitimately tell me, oh yeah, those three guys, they beat the fucking shit out of the entire roster in one night backstage. They just went around wrecking everyone's shop. And I'm like, nah, that doesn't sound... It was the shield. Oh. I remember that. I remember Dean Ambrose staring Heath, Heath later in the eyes as Roman and... As Roman and, uh, and Seth just Seth- like destroyed the other members of 3MB. That was a good time. <laughs> that was so fucking good. And they fucking, um, they they went all out for their entrances, too. Like, I could say a lot of stuff about the E, but they made, like, they put the work in for uh, for the shield. Like, they, they actually <laughs> came in in a helicopter. It wasn't even bullshit. They had an actual helicopter. <laughs> uh, those three popped out of the fucking helicopter. Uh, I mean, I mean, it like I think John said this on his oral sessions interview, but they were kind of like a fucking boy band. They were <laughs> like a full on boy band of just like they're fucking here. Yes, I mean they did the full on crowd entrance too. It was yeah. fucking like they they never as a team came down the ramp. I don't think right. Uh. Well, well, they did separately. Uh, it would usually be Dean and Seth down one, and then Roman down the other. Or if uh, one of them were tagged, because I think Roman and Seth were the tag champs of that group. So and Dean, Roman Dean and Seth. held the longest U.S. longest U.S. T- championship with the least number of defenses, kind of like in, in New, New Japan. Japan. New Japan. Yeah. Oh wow, history repeats itself. It really does. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, like, rarely do you see a stable breakup that's fucking iconic. But it was like that, there's always plan B. Whap! And just that chair shot no! heard around the world. <laughs> uh, and th- they, they cut it off at just the right moment. Because all of them were literally just sitting on the rocket launch pad fire in their ass about to explode and become the best thing to happen to wrestling in a very long time. Because the night before, they had literally kicked the shit out of Evolution and basically broke Evolution up for good in the story. Because Batista, Batista straight up quit the next night. Like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this, actually. Just keep getting beat by this two-toned hair motherfucker who's jumping off his shit at me. (laughs) <laughs> I miss when Seth jumped off shit. And then we all fr- do. From that, we got the best shitty heel in a very long time in the form of Cackle Laugh Rollins. We ah, got a ah, we ah, got a phenomenal ah, baby face for him to play off of with Ambrose and Roman did some stuff too. <laughs> Roman did some things during that too. You just listen to the last five years of this podcast, and you'll know what Roman did. You'll know what, well, I mean, like, that was the bizarre thing, was the fact that you, when you break up a three-person stable, it's hard to keep a three-person rivalry, so you had to have... No, no one, no one, no one hated that about Roman. Everybody hated the fact that Roman Reigns never really left the shield. Oh, yeah. 
he just still dressed like it. He still had the same music. He still was Roman. Rome. Was yeah. Roman. All he did differently is that he like wanked off his wrist a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because uh, the remember- other two members when they broke up just seeing being so excited like what's their new like outfit gonna be and of course seth became a power ranger ambrose just got a tank top and jeans just like i'm gonna beat the, i'm gonna kill everyone and then roman was just still the shield i'm like has anyone told him roman you know right roman roman i need to sit you down and i i i you do know the shield's broken up roman roman Roman, please stop but, crying, Roman. Please, Roman, I just, you need to know this. <laughs> but, but I believe in, in like, for maybe the rest of pro wrestling, there will be, it will be hard-pressed for any stable to accomplish as much per wrestler, like, as high. Because even now, now that, now that Moxley's in AEW, like setting new heights and like there in New Japan and everything. Cause for the longest time he was kind of in the shadow and I was just like, Nope, nope, it was just Vince. It was just I've been great the whole time. Been great <laughs> yeah. the whole time. It, fucking right? Am I you're, you're just so right and I fucking <laughs> did, God damn it. Um because that and you could see it. You could see it in um the Ambrose Rollins feud. Uh, that went on for months right after the Shields breakup. They didn't want before it had a really anticlimactic ending with the TV. Exactly that fucking yeah. TV. I'll never forgive whoever decided to do that <laughs> TV spot into the Bray Wyatt feud because there was never. I never got closure, man. <laughs> no, but speaking on... of, well, there was that the time that, that Dean did cash in and he won, and it was fine. Yeah, the five yeah. minutes. Yeah, on to. Number one on our list. Point five. Well, I was gonna, like, lump them all in together. Yeah, we- no, I'm gonna talk about them separately, because I will- I will- I will justify why they're a separate entity. Can- can we talk about the main thing, then separate entity? Fine. Because I know more about both- I know more about both than you do. (laughs) Well- Shocking the entire fucking world. No one could have ever seen this coming. Number one on our list of the greatest stable that of I, all time. That I think was all three of us chose as our number one, correct? I chose it as two because I thought the horsemen were better. But it is Bullet Club Four Live. There, there I is got a, a new man. I shot him. There is, <laughs> there is something to be said about uh, the previous like uh, entries in our top five that we've talked about, but because Bullet Club basically came into its own um, in a time where it was so much easier to jump from promotion to promotion and bring your guys in and say, oh no, we're still Bullet Club. Oh yeah, we're in Ring of Honor. Bullet Club. New Japan, Bullet well, Club, this is the home e- of the BC, baby. Even before that, though, like, when it was strictly just New Japan, you would still have guys like Gallows coming over and doing fucking WrestleMerica in Georgia, buddy. And at that point, there was no pro wrestling tees. There was nothing like that. So getting a Bullet Club shirt, like, I know everyone has one now, but for, in the early years, that was almost just like a sign of, of, of true fandom. In, in fact, Tamatanga got, got, went to Bullet Club Wrestlers Court because he sold bootlegs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why his career was stunted for the first two years of Bullet Club. <laughs> I respect the hustle. But, yeah, but so... So with Bullet Club, the thing is, is that you can rightly talk about how they ripped off a lot of stuff from the others and that the others were more mainstream popular. But you need to understand, at the time when Bullet Club happened, which was about 2013, it was like the perfect place, the perfect time, because it was after the pipe bomb, so like smart wrestling was a thing. But like Bullet Club is what turned the eyes of a lot of Western wrestlers towards Japan. Because, like, before that, it was very difficult to, you know, to, like, you know, find anything about it. 
Bullet Club is the reason why Wrestle Wrestle uh, New Japan World exists. Yes, yeah. it's without a shadow reason, of a doubt, they're the reason it's, that I got to watch Wrestle Kingdom live. Yeah, they're like the popularity of that group from their initial like bit with Fergal and Carl and Bad Luck Fale and Tama to eventually where they got the iconic shirt and they brought over the Bucks and Gallows and. Honestly, losing Fergal was the best thing that ever happened to them, which sounds horrifying because you, you don't like, like the real he's an rock amazing and wrestler. You don't like that was, rock and roll. The baby? real rock and roll. That was the best of gimmick he's ever had. Like the Prince right now is good, but like as far as the Wrestle Kingdom, where he came out of a coffin and just yes. like like better than any demon entrance. Uh like there's nothing. Like they just ooze. Every member just. Yeah. Used I, coolness. I mean, let me quickly and then, and, then, just, and then AJ and then AJ. Oh yeah, let me quickly just because we talked about like no group has ever had as many like world champions. Big deal. Let me just run down a couple of the former members: Adam Cole, AJ Styles, Cody Rhodes, Hangman Page, fucking Devitt. Like fucking, it's insane. Basically, they looked and said. Who's good in indie wrestling? You're coming to the Bullet Club, son. I think and that was a- the thing is that they started. So the NWO was was famous for bloating because they would grab all their friends. Except for the Bullet Club, they were just like all their friends were just really good. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, ah, yeah, Adam, Adam, you can get here. Other Adam, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Gallows, Anderson. The Young Bucks, Okada said you're pretty good. We'll bring you over here. Uh, Kenny, Kenny, we heard you can do some things. Yeah, this is working out, working out. We who's have to, that, do who's we have that to... long hair fuck that was real good in TNA? Get him. Get him. <laughs> do we have to keep Fale? We have to keep Fale? Okay. Um... <laughs> it, it, that, that is a thing about like how expansive that Bullet Club has been, but they also, they don't just keep collecting and collecting and collecting. People have broken off from Bullet Club to become their own thing or to go off and do their own career, like you mentioned, Devitt, of course, um, and, and they're the, they keep a rotation. The, yeah, they're the most successful, um, they're the only faction that has ever had what can be referred to as eras. Yeah. Uh, of it. And, like, that's, that's absurd. Like, you would, like, a lot of people would be like, well, they should have been a new... No, no, it, like, it's somehow there's enough continuity, especially because Fale and uh, Tamatanga have been there since the beginning. So, yeah. like, like, there's the old guard, they've been through it all, that it is, like, just... Like, you could, you could see it, there's the initial, like, the starting era with Fergal, uh, Prince Devitt, and then you go on to AJ in, like, what is known as, like, possibly, like, a, like that's a golden it. era. That's the greatest era for me, is the yeah. AJ well, era. see, mine mine is the next, which well, is the yeah. elite <laughs> era. And that and then that split off into, like, maybe the most shaky bit before you got to uh, Switchblade and his new era. Yep. Which is what we're currently living in. And listen, I, I don't care what you say. Like, scraggly beard, douchey... Jay White is is one of the top heel. <laughs> like he his era now stands on its own. You can you can put those you can put those four men up on. Also, can you know, I just Mount say uh, they have like small. They of course have their smaller tag teams within them, which may have spawned some of the greatest team names of all time, which include Super Click Adam, uh, Matt, and Nick, the Hung Bucks of Hangman Matt and Nick, and then my personal favorite one I'm seeing right now. Which is Hangman Page teaming with Yujiro as Dick and Ball. <laughs> yep. But uh, speaking speaking of those tag teams, those actually weren't so much Bullet Club as God. <laughs> it's begun. It's begun. Yeah. Elite. You, you could the, start a watch the, if you elite. want. See how long I can the, talk about it. Elite. Elite. The, 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 the. Elite. Elite. And okay, before so, we get here, to it, Dylan, I want to say something God, real quick. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, because it's like, this is this is the moment where the Bullet Club and the Elite split, where they were essentially like uh, an amoeba tearing, where one became two. Um, yeah. Because you had the it, OG Bullet Club and the Elite. Well, not only that, like... In- <laughs> no, let, let the man go. No, no, it's okay. I can talk. No, no, Dylan, you can go. Okay. 
So, <laughs> the Bullet Club changed, like, a lot of things. The NWO revolutionized wrestling. So, when the Elite said, had the catchphrase, change the world, they did They did. They did. They did. They did. They did. Arguably, so, like, listen, the NWO was really great. They got mainstream attention to it. Did they start their own fucking company? Well, it's uh, it was almost just like a, a rolling ball at some point, because I remember, like, the first big deal was you could get Bullet Club shirts at, at Hot, Hot Top. Topic. And I went, oh. And you know who did that? Oh, that's right. The greatest tag team of the last decade, the Young Bucks. Yeah. And it started with that. And then it was, oh, this is the first non-main roster promotion to have Funko Pops made of them. And then they just kept doing shit. And then, oh, we're going to be the first people to sell out a 10,000-seat arena. And then it just kept rolling of, what the fuck can we do next? And then, like, it co- it's like the Cody- career of... It's like the career of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, what are you going to do next, Arnold? I'm going to marry a Kennedy. There's no fucking way. And then they do it. (laughs) It's like you see them uh, having all of the success. And then after they sell out that 10,000 seat arena, Cody just says, all right, what's next? And then his phone rings. (laughs) T-Con. Let's go. Yeah. So that's why I always consider the elite, the elite different because one, Kenny, wanted it to be, but they wouldn't let him, they didn't want to break up the Bullet Club, so, like, he, they ran concurrently for a long time, but, like, you know, especially considering being the elite, which also changed how we look at pro wrestling. Yep. And how, like, a lot of, that, that's how all, all blogs now for wrestling now, like, basically copy them, and, like, it became a huge thing. They, they got a sponsorship from Cracker Barrel because they <laughs> ate at Cracker Barrel enough that Cracker Barrel just sponsored them. Same with TGI Fridays because they said it was their favorite Japanese restaurant. <laughs> I, you need to understand, the elite have done so many things that should not have been possible as, like, quote-unquote indie wrestlers, as guys in, like, Ring of Honor, New Japan. And they did. And, like, that is why I consider them, like, like, in their own thing. Maybe not as great as the Bullet Clubs, because the Bullet Club had to be great before they could break off, but, like, like, they're, it's, like, it's, un, it's undeniable the, the Bullet what Club they've done. The Bullet Club walked so the Elite could run. Yes. Yeah. Like and a, then, like, do a, do a 450. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember when AJ got kicked out, and I was like, oh, who's the next big leader? And they're like, oh, it's just Kenny. And I, at the time, didn't know a lot about Kenny, so I just said, okay, I guess this is it for Bullet Club. They lost AJ, and then Kitty looked at me and kicked me in the dick and <laughs> said, no, we're, all, we're just getting started. But yeah, if you, if going back to Bullet Club proper, it, when I look back at some of my favorite indie matches, it is AJ-era Bullet Club. It, that fucking them murdering Matt Seidel that I talked about last week. Um, but, but, fucking... but then when you look at but then when you look at some of the greatest matches of all time, it's Kenny era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Love. Um, fucking oh god, the King of Trios weekend where AJ botched the first night. He slipped on the ropes and then made these it. damn lucha ropes. <laughs> <laughs> he just made it into a running storyline because he knew people'd be coming back. So when he finally hit that springboard, people were like he did it. I uh I I miss I miss indie AJ Styles. Oh yeah. I mean, we're getting back the heavyweight version of that era of Young Bucks, which is great. Oh, <laughs> Finally. Can't, can't wait for it. Yeah, apparently on Wiki they are referring to that as now just the North American version of Bullet Club. Uh Carl, Doc, Young Bucks and Kenny. And I think they just put like I don't think the people in New Japan like that, though. <laughs> they don't. I assure you that Switchblade is not a fan. Tama Tonga wants to kill them all. Uh, all right. I guess we should switch hey, gears. Hey, hey, listen here, boys. Oh. It's for life. It's for life. Except, Except for AJ, AJ Styles. Styles. Wow. <laughs> all right. Now, uh, quickly, 
turning the table. We got some predictions to do for the first Impact pay-per-view that Dylan's probably ever going to buy. Coming. I decided against it because I couldn't justify $40 for one match. Well, actually, there's one on here. I'll read it now that I'm excited for, but I probably shouldn't be. Uh, it's Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers. We're finally getting Ryder versus Hawkins, but it's an impact. Oh. Um. Um. Hawkins. Okay. Blake. Yeah, I don't know anything about what Impact's doing, so you know what? Oh, same, same. This yeah. is great. I, I'm gonna say Ryder. I okay, yeah. I, I I've got a Cardona as well. Uh, Trey McGill versus Sammy Callahan. Uh, Callahan. I'll also say Callahan. Yeah, I love Trey, but no. Uh, Ace Austin versus Josh Alexander versus TJP. Oh, a- wait a Ace minute. Ace Austin. Aw, oh, damn it. Aw, oh, fuck, because of the rules. The rules mean I don't get to pick Ace Austin. Blake? <laughs> Ace Austin. No, no, no. Oh, you already threat. got it. Sorry, Dylan. Um, who were the yeah. other two? TJP. Sorry. TJP. I will take Josh Alexander. That was actually my second choice over Ace. Uh, Deanna Wait, Perazzo. now hold on. I lost, so shouldn't I have gotten first pick? Oh. No, because we started off as a new new thing, so it's yell who first come first serve. <laughs> Wait, then by that logic, I get Ace. <laughs> N- no, because I yelled it first. <laughs> Fine, I you already had ace. it written. Fine. Okay. Uh, Deanna Perazzo versus Tennille Dashwood. Oh. Uh, oh. Deanna's been on such a fucking tear. She has. I can't not pick Deanna. Uh, I want. I want Tennille just because I feel like it would be a great crowning moment for her. Yeah. After like all yeah. the work she's put in for years. She's doing something with Caleb Connolly right now. I don't know what that storyline is, but. I don't know. Uh, what do you uh, say, Blake? Fuck. I I also want to go with Tennille, but I don't think I can on this one. Yeah. Same. Uh, Finn Jucket. Jucket, Finn Juice, baby! Finn Juice versus the Good Brothers for the Impact Tag Team Good Brothers. Good Brothers. Yep. Yeah, I mean... My normal booking mind says not good brothers because they just lost the titles to Finn Juice, but the fact that we all know what's going to happen in the main event makes me say, oh yeah, no, no, they need as much gold in that locker room as they could possibly get. Uh, then I just had to say violent by design versus baby faces, but I can read it out. It's Saban Edwards, James Storm, and Willie Mack versus Eric Young, Diener, Joe Doring, and Rhino. Uh, the first, the first, first group. team, yes. The, the baby faces? The okay. baby faces. Alright. Grace, uh, Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering versus Fire and Flava, which is Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steeles for the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship. I'll go Fire and Flava. Uh, yeah, I'll go Fire and Flava too. Okay. We are getting very similar, and the way I know that is because my fucking Google document is telling me, do you want me just to fill all this out for you (laughs) based off previous information? Uh, And then in the main event... It's Kenny Omega. Omega. (laughs) Yeah, it's Kenny Omega. It was Kenny Omega the moment they made this match. The moment that that Scott Diamore said the words unification match, I was like, oh, cool, Kenny gets to be Impact Champion. (laughs) Then he gets to be the champion of three companies. Wait a minute, Kenny Omega's always been winning? Always has been. (laughs) Kenny Omega always be winning. Lol, Kenny wins. All right, we did it. What did you boys learn this week? Uh, I learned that a good theme song makes a faction. I learned that the Elite and Bullet Club are apparently different stables. I will come to Alabama and slap- <laughs> Oh, no, wait. You're coming down here. Guess what's waiting for you? It's a backhand to <laughs> the face. I learned that I got an ass kicking in my future. Yeah. Oh, no, you're sh- fine. Yeah, what are we- what I learned we that I get to watch a free ass kicking in my future. <laughs> Fuck, what should we do next week? I want to keep, keep going down this world of stuff we love and stuff we just want to talk about. 
I would say best matches, but then my list would just be uh, five Kenny Omega matches, <laughs> and that seems I want to wait. I think before Double or Nothing, we'll do the big matches. I want to do. I want to call it the Pinnacle Series, where we talk about the best of what match it is. So, like the best Hell in a Cell match, the best Triple Threat, the best whatever, and do that. So, best overall matches. Um, ah, shit. Do we just want to talk about what we like about pro wrestling at the moment? How about we this? We just have a little love next, fest. Ne- next week, best personal moments in pro wrestling, whether that be at a live show or at an event. This is just about our own experience next week. All right. Tune in to hear my story about that time Velvet Sky fed me Oreos. But until then, where can people... Or the time that you got uh, uh, the best friends kicked out of Global Force Wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, but that'll be happening next time. Until then, where can people find you on the internet? You can't. I'm a mystery. I'm a ghost. I'm an enigma. Some even call me the gangster of love. As a matter of fact, Dylan is a figment of our imaginations, and you can't hear him right now. <laughs> um, you can find me at Blake A. Tanner on Twitter, you can find me at the Darkroom Vidya on YouTube, and you can find me here on the BS Network. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, and you can check out all my other podcasts from the mini adventures of Sammy Magic to Fun Fiction at a load of pure BS.com. And, of course, make sure to join The Weird, my brand new actual play TTRPG podcast, at Join The Weird on Twitter at patreon.com slash join the weird. I didn't actually expect Dylan to leave after that, but it was fucking funny. Special thanks to Mega Ran for our theme song, Fighters. Um, go support Mega Ran, go listen to his music anywhere that you can find fine, fine music like his. What's Mega Ran been up to? He's uh, fucking hanging out. <laughs> he's been he they've been doing uh weekly not weekly but uh regular live shows with him, MC Lars, um MC Front a lot, and uh, God, I'm I'm upset. Oh, Schaefer the Dark Lord, who we actually hung out with in uh Tampa, I think. No, no, Daytona. He's a really cool guy. Check out the uh, I believe the Four Eyed Horseman is their name, which. It, fits the theme of this week's episode. And as always, you can find us at a load of purebs.com. Step up to the merch table at merch.loadofpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for 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 light. <laughs> <laughs>